said. Nice to have you company. Morning. Here we go, Monday. Look at this. They said it's going to rain today, Anthony. Did you say weather? Did you, on the weather forecast, say rain? I can't remember. Yeah, later. Later. Oh, OK. Thank God I'm not here later. Because yeah. they, said, they said rain yesterday, it didn't. It's nice to see you back in one piece. Lovely to be back. Lovely. Thank you. Night. night. Everybody says night on this programme. They all go off to bed. Now, I'm just going to check on the weather, because if I don't check on the weather now, I shall never... I, later on, it'll, it'll ruin my day. And, and I'll be going, oh, I can't remember what the weather was. And somebody said, well, you've got enough apps for the blooming thing. Right, today, 11 degrees at the moment. And it's just been updated, 5.03. Uh, the high is 17 degrees today. So double it, 34, oh, 64. It's all right, isn't it? It's not nothing, nothing particularly special. Tomorrow, it goes up to 18 degrees with rain. Uh, Wednesday, rain. Eight, it's rain all over the place, isn't it? Uh, Friday, rain. Uh, 20 degrees, and Saturday, rain, and 20 degrees. So, um, f- in other words, this week, I'll take your umbrellas with you, because you're just going to get absolutely drenched. I must apologise, incidentally, I've got a number of people. I'm trying to find out what happened to the podcast. I think the machine overloaded yesterday, so I'll try and get that sorted out a little bit later on for you, and uh, find out, because sort of people go, where is it, where is it? In fact, poor old Paul and Ryan are off on holiday. They go, where is it? We need that one to take with us. It'll be the final one for the beach, so we'll, we'll have a quick check now. The BAFTAs last night... Everybody was there looking very glam. There were certain people... I do... I don't know whether you look through the, the papers the same as I do, and you go, oh, it was the BAFTAs. Lovely, lovely. And and then you think, what the hell were you doing there? You know, because there are certain people who go there and they think, what are you to do with BAFTA? For example, there was... Where was the... Oh, there's some very odd people. They had Helena Bonham Carter. I don't know what the hell this poor woman was wearing. That you finished filming Alice in Wonderland, dear. Can you just wear normal clothes? Uh, Julie Walters, lovely. Sophie Rayworth. What was she doing at the BAFTAs? Melinda Messenger. Hello. I'm sorry, darling. What were you doing at the BAFTAs? It's for professional people who are in... You know, it's the... What were you doing there? There were all sorts of strange people. When Ant and Deck got, got a, um, an award, their first BAFTA, as they, as they joked on stage, what the hell have we done for the other eight years and eight series? And uh, everybody did very well indeed, so well done. To everybody who got their awards, including 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 Melvin Bragg, who did very. But what was Melinda Messenger doing there? I'm sorry, dear. It's not not page three awards. It's the Baftas, dear. Okay, all bad presenting awards. Perhaps they should have given you a special award for working with Ian Wright. I mean, I wouldn't want to work with him either. Oh, Sunday's podcast is now there, everybody. I can now tell you, he's there. Da-da, 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 da-da. Okay, so it's now there. So everybody's now going. Phew. Particularly good programme. I'm sorry if I was very cruel yesterday. Not sorry at all, actually. Uh, because I did watch Britain's Got Talent. I do think that they, they drag it out. But then it's like any good... Pro- I hate it when they stand there and go, and the winner is... And I then know that's my cue. I can go out, put the kettle on, go to the toilet, come back, pick up my cup of tea, go in there, and they then go... Diversity, or whoever it happens to be. Because they do these long pauses, and they do it on every programme. It's apparently to heighten the tension... Doesn't it just makes me angry? You know, the winner is diversity. Thank you very much indeed. Let's get on with it. You know, and unfortunately, what we had put through, and all the critics have said exactly the same this morning. You know, great program raises a lot of money for charity, and that's all thanks to you for dialing the phone lines and really putting a lot of money in the uh, in the Royal Variety Show uh, coffers. Very very happy about that. But some of the people shouldn't have been put through. They 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 were put through because they were stupid. The 81-year-old woman, lovely, couldn't sing for toffee. 
on the final, she started flat. I spoke to Richard Hakey about it. I said, was it me? He said, no, he said, because I, I was being kind. I said, I said, halfway through, she lost it. He said, she, he said she lost it within the first minute. And she started singing. She missed the beat. She came in on the wrong beat, which didn't help. The orchestra is still playing, you know, no, no regret. And now, no regrets, je ne regret rien, is not an easy song to sing. If you're 81 and your brain's... Yeah, she was singing No Regrets. No, But with a Scottish accent, which sounded marginally more interesting and singing it in English. But then she missed, she missed coming in at the right place. And it was downhill from there and in because she started singing the wrong words to the wrong bit of song. And then tried to correct herself. Because obviously, you know, unlike the normal cop, they're not going to go, OK, should we stop this and start again? It goes, no, no regrets. You know, it's as simple as... Okay, I can do that. You know, I could be singing, no, we will have no regrets, you know, like that. But she was singing, no, no regrets, we will, oh, God, get off. Thank God the balancing act did it for me. Spellbound. I think they're going to do very well. They're not interested in a career as a group. Individually, they'll do, they could do very well at the Olympics. Uh, they'll do the Royal Variety. Most of them have got proper jobs, or they're at college. Edward, who's the little one who looks 12 but is 18. Remember Amanda Holden said, how old are you? And he went, 18. Like, you know, nasty woman preying on me, leave me alone. And um, she obviously thought he was going to say about 15 or something. And he's 18. And uh, he's actually at college doing performing arts. And it's great for them because they work so hard for that, whereas some of them didn't, didn't really work very hard at all. But I love watching it. I thought it was quite. I just wish they'd whiz through it a bit quicker. I just think, oh, you've dragged this out. You know, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, the whole competition you could do in two days. Okay, you crap, get off. Okay, next, hello, rubbish, get out. Are you joking? They had some girl on there who was singing, and she said, if if I, if I get the audience clapping, that gets me going. I thought everybody clapping in the world wouldn't get you going, darling. And and then she sang this, and it was just all these people who quite clearly think that they can sing. And they can't sing, or people who think that they can juggle, and they can't juggle. And if I see another bloody dog act before next Christmas, it'll be too soon. I was sick to death of the dog act. The worst thing, did you see, did you watch it? Oh, hilarious. They then bring on all the people, and they put the three through, three, three people through. So they put through the drummer. They put through Spellbound, and they put through somebody else. I can't remember who it was. And so all the rest of them, they go, terribly sorry. But you're not. Oh, it was the two, two boys who dance, one of whom thinks he's black because he speaks like this for some reason, and he's white. And, and so they all go off stage, except this woman and her dog. And they come and stand in the lineup, and Anton Deck get no, I'm sorry, out the back. And she stands there, she hadn't quite heard what they were saying. No, love, you're not through. Take the dog, get off. And so she stood there in this lineup at the front, and they had to sort of almost propel her off to the back of the stage. It was really, really embarrassing, but made me laugh. Because uh, I thought, I don't want to see a dog act. You know, if you'd seen a performing bear or a chimpanzee on a bicycle, you know, people would be, ooh, dreadful, isn't it? Whereas I, I like, you know, I think that, that people who, who work circuses are lovely. And they really are. You don't get animals to do anything if you mistreat them. They, they do it because they enjoy doing it. Norma Barrett's got his budgie act. And this woman's got a dog. But it's a performing dog. It's the same thing. You know, to watch a dog walking sideways, my mate's got a dog, his walks sideways as well. He said, you don't, you don't need to be that clever. You go to Crufts, they do in and out of the posts. It's the same thing without the posts. It's a performing dog. She's trained it. The dog is sitting there looking at it going, would, would you give me some food now, please? Please, I'll do it again for you. I'll love you forever. I really love you. You know, and, the, and then you sort of, you, you get the tit bit and then it, and it does the thing, actually. 
I don't know. OK, right, it's official. I'm now reading it in the newspapers. Put away the sun lounger. OK, cover it all up, because uh, thunderstorms and rain showers lashing most of Britain over the next few days. OK, so uh, pack away the barbecue. It's finished now. OK, gone, 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 gone. No more burnt, shriveled up little sausages and beef burgers. And everybody's sitting in the garden trying to get rid of the mozzies. Sitting out there going, oh, should we eat outside today? Because it's continental. We'll eat al fresco. We'll go and sit in the garden. The kids get the hose out. And then there's always one, isn't there? I'll do the barbecue. As he gets the petrol siphoned out of the car. <laughs> you know, and you get the flame. Oh, that's a good barbecue. Never cook on flames. Never cook on flames. Uh, so, today, heavy rain. Tomorrow, heavy rain. Next day, heavy rain. More witches and druids there are in the country now. Apparently, somebody was going out with Ashley Cole. You know, he was, he's going out with this, apparently, Cheryl Cole look-alike. Don't think so. Yeah, he's, he's got a new girl. She's a, she's a former lap dancer. OK, pole dancer. Sorry, lap dancer is different. Although pole dancers do sometimes lap. And, um, and she, but she's also a white witch. That's really exciting, isn't it? Really, really exciting. And, uh, and then, I'm more interested in the story today, that they have uncovered uh, what they say is the biggest cemetery in the country, Roman cemetery. They say these were gladiators slaughtered for the crowds in Roman Britain. 2,000-year-old remains of almost 80 young men mutilated by horrible injuries. Uh, They say they could have been either the victims of mass executions or they were gladiators. Many had suffered a hammer blow. Now, I don't know... In the, uh, in the gladiatorial ring, exactly what happened at the end. I do know that the Colosseum in Rome was a bloodbath. That's all it was. The Romans had this insatiable lust for killing, and they would kill anybody. It was a good place to stick murderers. They didn't have to sort of worry too much about it, and they just stuck them in there with wild animals, and just because they wanted to see what the effect was of somebody being thrown into the ring, running round, and lions who'd not been fed for three days. They would, they would get through... Thousands of animals, 2,000 animals a day, could sometimes end their life in the, uh, the Colosseum. So they would send people in. One, one of their favourite things was, if they had a murderer, was to just tie them to a post in the middle of the ring and just let the animals have their, their go at them. Or failing that, if they were really feeling particularly, you know, one of their happy, happy days, they would coat them in tar while they were alive and set fire to them. So they would burn in the middle of the ring and people would sit down and this would be their entertainment. I mean, there was no Blue Peter or Loose Women or anything else, so you had to go there. Loose Women is not unsimilar, actually. Many people have died watching it. You wish sometimes the panel would die while they're doing it, don't you? You sort of, it's, it's, it's all those lovely cutaway camera shots. It was interesting listening to Anthony talking about who uses cue cards on television. And most people use cue cards, and most television programmes, I would think a good 99% of TV programmes are rehearsed. And the reason they're rehearsed is because... You've got to know where anybody's going to be at any one time. Carol McGiffin said the other day that they're in from 8.30 in the morning to rehearse Loose Women. And the reason they're in to rehearse... I mean, on their one, it's not too bad. But if they've got a musical group on, then the cameras have to rehearse. OK, right, now, camera two, we're going to take you away from Carol McGiffin and you're going to be waiting in area three. And when we did Five's Company, it has to be rehearsed. So you'd have the rehearsal for the the, uh, technical stuff... And then they would sit down and go, right, the cameras, OK, one. And they all have, on each camera, there's a running order of what you're doing. So for the first ten minutes, camera one is on Amanda or on Steve or on Nick or on Rodri or whoever it happened to be, or on Paul Roseby, anybody like that. And then they say, right, at this moment, when Steve comes away from here, we need to take that camera away. And it has to be worked like, a, like military precision. 
And so when everybody says, oh, it's a real ad-lib show, not if it's televised, it ain't. Because otherwise you've got cameras crashing into each other. And so they've got to know where they're going and they whiz them up and down and whoosh them over the floor. So that's why. So that's why, uh, going back to this, um, this uh, Maximus of York, because this is where they found it, uh, they're going to show it in a Channel 4 documentary which is going to recreate the world of the gladiator in Roman Britain. It's the last thing you'd want to be, isn't it? Oh, by the way, today you're going to be a gladiator. Could I just sell popcorn? No, you're going to be a gladiator. I'm very busy today. I think I'm doing my nails. News headlines. David Cameron set to warn later the impact of the government's plans for reducing the deficit will be enormous and even worse than he'd feared. Twin girls are seriously ill after being attacked. It's understood by a fox in their home in Homerton. And British Airways cabin crew into their 20th day of strike action with no sign of any deal on the horizon. More details on those stories a little bit later on this morning on LBC. With the travel, it's Matt Jones. Thanks, Steve. Good morning. We'll start off on the M27. LBC 97.3. Morning, everybody. Oh, Nick's back for his holidays. wonder what colour he's going to be. Might have to dim the lights in the studio. Don't want to be sort of knocked back by the glare of, uh, of Nick's tan. Happy birthday, Jill. It's her birthday today, so many happies. Lovely story in the paper today in the Daily Mail. This is the fourth time I've read this story. The fourth time. I'm so bored with this girl. I'm, 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 I'm speechless. She ran away to Egypt and married a stranger at 17. Do you remember this one? And I told you a few weeks ago. And then... He said he wanted to take another wife as well, and she went, I just wanted to go and have... She was 17. Now, I don't want to be rude about 17-year-olds, but they're generally a bit stupid and a bit headstrong. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm in love, I'm going to go and do this. No, don't be sick, lend in tears. Well, at 20, she came back. Minus her ring, and uh, they've done a feature on her in Closer magazine. I'm so bored with this girl. Stupid people I can turn on the television and see every day. I can turn on the Jeremy Kyle show. In fact, actually, that was one of Amanda Holden's great lines the other day. Where this girl came on and started singing with the help of the audience, but she was awful. And, um, and Amanda Holden said, I should point out, this is not Jeremy Kyle, this is Britain's Got Talent. And Simon turned around and went, well said. <laughs> because it was, it was quite, she'd finished with her boyfriend. Like, you know, what's that got to do with us? Don't be sorry. You don't expect, you know, Bruce Forsyth to go on stage and go, do you know, it's been dreadful today. You know, Bruce Jr., John Jr., any of the kids, you know, this. Oh, they don't do that. But this woman chose to sort of announce on television that she'd broken up with her boyfriend. Who gives us stuff? I couldn't care less. That's why I couldn't care less about this, this stupid girl here. She, against her, her parents' wishes, she runs away. Marries a stranger who's got a bar or something, or an internet cafe, or whatever it is, and then wonders why three years later it all goes pear-shaped. It's because your parents know better. In the same way, as we told you yesterday, all the papers were full of the fact that Christine Bleakley... Hiya! ...has dumped her agent, John Noel, by text. Now, John Noel, as we told you the other day, is the man who masterminded her career. Now, when I say her career, she's only ever done one show... OK, the one the one show is the one show she's done. That is the only thing on her CV. Oh, she water skied across the channel. But she only got that because she was on the one show she's only ever done. So what she's done is she she went to him. So the story goes. This is this is how it would. The, the only reason that you would ever get rid of your agent is if you say, I'm a big star. I want to do this. And they go, listen, I don't think you're ready yet. In which case you then go, if, if, if you really that's that stupid, you go against all their advice. And according to the papers today. She went to him and said, right, I want to go to ITV for huge amounts of money. They're interested in me. Make, make, make some inroads. And he went, listen, you've got the publicity. You're not very good. 
You've done quite well so far. You're earning 100000 a year. You've got lots of little spin-offs. You've got, you're going out with Frank Lampard. Big up to you. And, because yeah, you're a wag. And, listen, you're not ready to move. You've only done one show. Next thing, she fires him. I think we've gone as far as we can. She sends him by, by text. This is, this is one of the top agents in the country. This man knows his, his business. If you went to John Noel and you say, OK, you know, I'm, you know, Christine Bleakley, what can I do? OK, I'm going to get... The, the, the BBC are going to put out a new show. It's called The One Show. And I think you'd be quite... Let, let's try you out for it. So they try her out. She does one show. Unfortunately, the naivety of average television presenters is they believe the publicity in the papers. If somebody says, you're fantastic, it's like P- P- Peter Andre believes the publicity. The only papers who give him the publicity are the Daily Star, the Express and OK magazine. Nobody else is interested in him and Closer magazine. or you know, And that's it. You know, and unfortunately, he, he believes. You know, when I'm on stage performing, oh, shut up. Shut up, shut up. Dreary. Goodness sake. And Christine Bleakley has believed the same thing. ITV have said, we're, we're not, we haven't done anything yet. They were, there were rumours yesterday. She's now, according to the papers today, negotiating for herself. Big mistake. Big mistake. That's what we have agents for. Agents do the work because they know the business. She's only ever done the one show. She sat there interviewing somebody for not an hour, five-minute interviews, four-minute interviews, with questions written by other people, research done by other people, all done for you. I tell you, the harsh reality, Christine, I can only offer you this as advice, dear. If you go to ITV and they pay you, you know, this rumoured either two, four or six million pounds, frankly, as ITV are cash-strapped at the moment, I think highly unlikely, they're going to work your little butt off, dear. You think you're going to have it cushy like at the BBC? As John Knoll will tell you, you ain't seen nothing yet, sister. They'll make you... If they're going to pay you that much... Why do you think all the people who went to work for ITV for money ain't there anymore? Michael Parkinson, big brouhaha, leaving the BBC, off to ITV. What happens? Out. Because they make you work. They want every, every... Adrian Childs, you know, big star at the BBC. ITV, you're just one of a stable, sweet pea. They're not interested. You'll work because they're a commercial station. BBC, it doesn't matter too much if you don't fulfil the figures. ITV, you don't get the figures, sweet pea. You're out. They're not interested. They're really not interested. So that, that's my only advice. That's my only advice to Christine is you really... I mean, you won't, but you should go on bended knee to John Noel, apologising and take his advice. He, does, he just... I mean, put it this way. It's in his best interest, would you not think, that if you think you've been offered six million quid, an agent would go, yeah, I'll take it. Because look at the commission he's going to make without doing a stroke of work. He's trying to build a career. You're going for money. Because, frankly, you ain't going to get any better. And if you think the British public want to wake up at six in the morning and see your fizzog, thank you, you've got another thing coming. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Moo! Sharon. Wants to donate his body to science. I have to tell you, Ozzy, science don't want it. Science really don't want it. I mean, 61, but the oldest, crumbliest, flakiest chocolate in the whole wide world... So sorry. Only the crumblies. No, no regrets. No, it's no, no regrets. God dear. So he wants to give his body to science. Science have said, um, lovely. And uh, we don't want it, actually. Why don't, why don't you keep it? Why don't you give it to Sharon? Stick yourself in an egg timer and, uh, and take it on from there. He says, uh, he says, being ill is like a hobby. I catch diseases off the television. 
I'm sorry, is this Ozzy Osbourne who's sort of like, yeah, Prince of Darkness? He sounded like the princess of the television at the moment. A little bit of a drip, I'm afraid. I've got something to read you in a moment, which, which might horrify you when I tell you where it comes from. I'll read it for you to the other side of the news, because I read it this morning and I thought, ooh, I've got to read that on the programme, because you won't... When, when I read it to you, you'll be horrified. When I tell you where it comes from, you'll be even more horrified. Ashley Cole's affair with a white witch lap dancer has resulted with Cheryl Cole taking revenge. Apparently, uh, new beau, Derek Hoff, has finally admitted it's true love. Dreadful, <coughs> 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 honestly. So, Derek is the, is the dancer. Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, Derek is the, the dancer that uh, Cheryl's seeing at the moment. Other stories of the paper today, the Daily Mirror. Spellbound, want to be in the Olympics? Good for you. You'll be in there. And uh, classic line, uh, lingerie model, Kelly Brook. I do wish you'd go to Australia and stay there, love. You know, all these threats about it. And I'm not going to be taking my clothes off for anybody else. She's, she's posed for a lingerie lineup, but they had to fly her out to South Africa. Uh, although, frankly, you could have done this picture anywhere you like. Could have been done in a studio, lovey. And uh, she said, it, it's a picture of her with three lions. Although I suspect it's, it's probably just one lion and she's pictured holding it on a chain. Well, you can superimpose these pictures. You don't need to do anything with a real lion. But she says here, I thought they might be a bit hungry, but they're basically big pussycats. You are as dumb as you look, love. I tell you what, why don't you let go of the chain and run and let's see how much of a pussycat they are. Oh, look, you're just a big puss. Give me my arm back. Give, give, give my leg back. I've seen the picture and I've read the book because it was sent to me about a guy in a circus who's got lions and tigers. And at one point, the, uh, the lions don't follow. You must never, ever take your eye off a lion. And the one thing you don't allow with lions is for them to come round the back of you. Because once they come round the back, they will jump on your back. That's what they do. It's instinctive. And at one point, he took his eye off the ball and he didn't see the lion and it grabbed his leg. And then, whilst he was trying to deal with that lion, another lion came in from the side and grabbed his other leg. And he gesticulated to his wife and said, get out the cage, because he thought he was going to end his life in the cage. Luckily, they managed to beat them off with a copy of Woman's Weekly or something. It was something ridiculous. And the lions were like, what's going on here? Because they don't know, do they? So when you get people like Kelly Brooks saying they're just basically big pussycats, you realise she really is that dumb. I didn't think it was possible. I didn't think it was. Dreadful story of this uh, fox, which they say is mauled two children. And uh, this, this is going to result in people out there shooting foxes and doing all sorts of things now. Whereas, in fact, really, we, we've, we've got more urban foxes than we've ever had before. They come round at night. You see them all the time. I told you ages ago in Twickenham, we had one that sat on the main street and I thought it was sitting outside. It shows how long ago it was. Woolworths was there. And I didn't know what it was doing there. And it just sat there. And I looked at it, and it was sort of, and people were walking past it, and I'm thinking, oh my God, it's got mange, and it was sat there with its fur falling out. And the one thing you don't do is go anywhere near a fox with mange, because they carry so many illnesses. But uh, eventually, it sort of slunk off and probably died, I should imagine. LBC ninety. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Monday morning. It's going to be a nice day, but it's going to rain. It's going to rain later, and everybody will tell you, oh, it's good. We need some rain. I don't think we need it every day this week. I really don't think we need it. And at the moment, it's great. So at this time of the morning, it's fantastic. But later on, it's, gonna, it's just tipping it down. I'm going to read you something now, which is in the, in the sun today. 
And uh, I'll, I'll tell you why I'm reading it after I've read it to you. And I'll tell you that this appeared on a recent web broadcast. OK, this was recently on the web. It's on a regular web broadcast. And, um... Hi, is everybody having a good Christmas? Have you seen the new Disney princess movie? It's called The Princess and the Frog. The princess is black, so that's good for all the black kids out there. But the prince is white. Race mixing is wrong. So this goes on. Uh, if all other people mix up there, there won't be any more white kids, so don't race mix. There are lots of people against white people and Christians in the movie. The good guy is a voodoo witch doctor. He does spells and has magic potions. Voodoo doctors worship the devil. So it's a pretty bad movie for kids, especially white kids. Voodoo is the religion that lots of blacks used to have, but white people taught them about God, so don't race mix. Who said that? A ten-year-old white boy who, together with his family, every week have become the racist, cross-burning Ku Klux Klan family... And they broadcast on the web. He reads from a script. They're called the the Die Nasties. Uh, the family with Rachel's father, clan head Thomas Robb, and the sisters uh, do Nazi salutes. And this little ten-year-old boy. And if you saw a picture of him, you'd seriously think he was heading for a Disney movie himself. He's a pretty white blonde boy who looks like he could be moving into any of Disney's movies. But what he does is he rants all the time. They have family get-togethers, and they're all proud members of the Ku Klux Klan. They live in Arkansas, deep in the Bible Belt. And I remember distinctly, because it always stuck with me, and I think I've got it on DVD, I've got a Louis Theroux programme where he goes down. Do you remember? And he meets this horrible racist family who... They, I mean, he starts trying to ask them, because Louis had this way of sort of asking them questions, and they, they didn't quite understand. Some of them did, but some of them didn't, uh, about their opinions of black people. And he asked the kids in the family, and they absolutely had this drilled into them, that they weren't having nothing to do with black kids, whatever. And they asked, the, you know, what, what would happen if you saw a black person walking down the street? He said, I'd call the police. And the police would have them arrested for walking out on the street. And there are certain parts of America where it's a bit like that. They haven't, they haven't actually moved on. Although, nothing, nothing compared to this country. I couldn't find the story in the paper, but it came up on the television this morning of a group of men and women, let's just call them men and women for the purposes of this programme at the moment, who go to a pub in Westminster and book a dinner. OK? They sit down for their dinner, and the assistant manager comes over and goes, you're gay. They're a gay group. They're a Labour gay group. Labour, gay, bisexual and transgender group, the assistant manager refuses to serve them. He says, from this pub in Westminster, if I'd known you were a gay group, I wouldn't have booked you in. And I thought, it is the year 2010, isn't it? Have we, have we not moved on a bit from this? this? This made all the news bulletins last night. I can't find it in the paper today. But it's a well-known pub. I've never heard of anybody being refused service in a pub because of their gender. It's like, you know, turning up and them going, we don't serve, you know, sort of tall people or spotty people or people with glasses. But uh, this particular pub, they don't, um, they didn't want to serve you. The assistant manager didn't want to serve you. He said, had I known that you were a gay group, I wouldn't have booked you in. <sighs> you think the British Airways uh, strike is bad? You wait till they get round on this one. Uh, Steve, it's only because Janie Cutler is 81. The judges gave her a good comment. Had she been younger, they'd have slated her. I totally agree. She was put on there for us to laugh at. And also, and it's, it's mean 
in, in the... Because what they've done is... And the, the other thing is that, that little boy who sang... You build me up, but I can stand on... I mean, he was dreadful. I mean, he was dreadful. It, it's very sweet, but go to any choral school in the country, you'll find a million kids who sing like him. Not to, The drumming kid. You know, very sweet, but there's no career for him at 13 years old. He's 13. Where are you going to put him? Dreadful. Stephen Wilsdon walked 10 kilometres yesterday for crusades starting at Tower Hill. London is filthy. Lack of litter bins. This is because people used to put bombs in them, I think, you'll find. That's why they took away the litter bins. I hate it when I see people dropping litter everywhere. I see it all the time. Every, I don't think there's a day goes by where I don't see somebody eating something and just, just dropping litter on the floor. And you feel like saying, Oi! Pick it up. You know, it's, at times like that, you wish you had a police uniform, don't you? Excuse me. £50 fine. I haven't got £50, mate. Well, you're under arrest then, aren't you? Nigel says, a pal of mine, Rob, has become addicted to your programme. He sets his alarm for five every morning to listen to your dulcet tones and find out about the price of strawberries. Well, today, they're very good value at five ninety nine for 16 giant strawberries. So there you go. Nigel and Rob, when you say a pal of yours and you say, tell him not to be late for work, how close a pal is he? OK. Is he like a friend? Is he like a close friend? Or is he like just somebody who lodges? You know, I, I, I do... I do have to know. Uh, Steve, Costco have the halogen oven for £34. I know. I bought one the other day. <laughs> I'm just getting addicted to uh, to buying halogen ovens. I don't know why. And the basket. We must have had some good weather, because all of a sudden the hanging baskets have started going... and started uh, starting bursting forth. It does help, because I gave them a quick burst with Tomorite. So I'm very pleased about that. Um, Steve, I was on a train on Friday, says uh, Amanda. And a group of... Uh, a group of kids left McDonald's bags all over the seats. Oh, Graham and I had this the other day with a girl sitting on the train, got off at whatever the station is before Twickenham, and she was eating something. She gets off the train. She's the only one sitting on the long seat, the long bench seat, and she leaves her rubbish on there. So I said in a loud voice, perhaps next time you'll take the rubbish with you. And she looked at me and I thought, you'll do it next time, love, because otherwise I'm going to take a picture and send it into your headmistress. And they're going to... Because I've just... I mean, where are they learning manners nowadays? Don't people learn manners anymore? It doesn't, it doesn't take... It's like... Oh, I don't, it's like you come into the office sometimes. I picked... The, the other day on the desk, up in the office, there were Thursday's papers. This was on Sunday. Because I picked one up and I said to Nick, Nick Majerus and I said, thinking it was Saturday's paper, I went, that's Thursday's. And he went, ooh. I said, how can Thursday's paper still be on the desk? Ridiculous. Anyway, here are the other people at the uh, at the BAFTAs. Tamsin Althwaite was there. Sophie Rayworth, who's a, a newsreader. Um, OK, right. Sheila Hancock, we love to pieces. Amelia Fox. Cara Toynton. I'm sorry, love. You used to be in EastEnders. What, I mean, what were, you, what were you doing there? What were you doing at the BAFTAs? You know, even... I mean, I, I don't know who she played. She's, she was going out with Joe Swash... But they're just friends. She played his sister. <laughs> Scary. And, OK, right. What were you doing at the BAFTAs, love? You know, it's, it's very nice, but, I mean, shouldn't you have been in or speaking to your agent about getting some work or doing something? Ashley Jensen is in Ugly Betty. Oh, in extra. Oh, she's... Oh, that's right. Oh, she's in extras, is she? Oh, that's the girl. Oh, she's completely different here. Complete... Yeah, she looks a bit different here. Uh, Gail Porter. Sorry, Gail, this is the BAFTAs, love. What are you doing there? What are you doing? Is it just a photo op? What are you doing at the BAFTAs? It's nothing to do with you. How do they get... Exactly, how do they get invited? I didn't even get invited to Capital Ball, the summer ball thing. 
I didn't get invited. I never got anything from Ashley at all. I didn't get anything that said VIP on it. I never did so. I wrote back to him. I said, Ashley, where's my VIP invitation? He said, well, you can go with Dave Berry if you want. I don't want to go with Dave Berry. You just hassle me all the time. Alison King. Go on, who's Alison King? Yes, coronations. Well done. Joanna Page. We know who that is because we've done Joe Page before. Lacey Turner. She's coming out, isn't she? She's decided to come out of EastEnders. Yeah. Oh, she killed Bradley. Oh, she killed somebody. Oh, right, Archie. We like her. We think she, she could do very well. And uh, Sophie Okanedo. We know who she is, but we can't remember who she is. And Tina O'Brien. Oh, still out there, Tina. Apparently she has a new, new boyfriend at the moment. She looks stunning in uh, a white strapless Empire Line coast dress with simple gold accessories. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's Cara Toynton, dear. They say, a million miles from Watford. Oh, I don't know, dear, looking at this picture. Not that far. Not that far. I think they meet... Yes, sorry, Walford. I, I read Watford by mistake. It's just Gail Porter. What are you doing there, love? This is for people in the business. Not somebody who sits on Matthew Wright's show. Not very good at all. Uh, Tom Jones. Do you know how old Tom Jones is today? Come on, fans will know immediately. He's 70. You saw the night. 70 years old. Looks fantastic for 70. And stars and fans are lining up to wish him a very happy birthday. Hundreds of people in his Welsh homeland have recorded a birthday version of his famous hit, Delilah. Messages came from Terry Wogan, Jules Holland and Neil Sadaka. They're going to have a, a special day for him on the radio. It's going to be Tom Jones at 70 Day. He'll be thrilled. And they'll, perhaps they'll reintroduce him to the wife. Because you know that the, he, he lives in America and the wife lives in... Uh, where she's always, I think, Pontypri or something like that, anyway. And she's not at all, as you would think. They've known each other since they were very young, but Tom has, let's just call it a separate life in America. And uh, and she has her life. And she, she did try living in America, but she didn't, didn't like it very much. So she lives in, in America. It's fantastic. It is absolutely fantastic. Lives in Wales, yeah. Pontypri, I said, yeah. But he, he lives out in Los Angeles, because I, I passed his uh, his house the other day. Well, I said the other day, a few years ago, the other day, we were talking about, we went on the, uh, we went on the internet, <laughs> which I love, actually. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk, and uh, we wish him a very, very happy birthday, many, many happy birthdays. Cheryl Cole is the size of a pocket rocket. Every, every time I see Cheryl Cole, I keep thinking, she looks tall, but she's five foot three, and... I just keep thinking, you can't tell on television. It's not until you see people. It's, I remember meeting Angus Dayton. I didn't think he was that tall either. He's another, he's dinky person. They're all tiny, tiny. But Cheryl Cole is a little pocket rocket. But uh, she spent the end of last week with dancer Derek in Paris, where she was playing a gig supporting the Black Eyed Peas. And then, of course, she was there at the, uh, the Summertime Ball. <coughs> I don't like JLS's new single. I'm ever so sorry. I really don't like it. It's, it's not as good as their other ones. But Cheryl was there. And, uh, and also Justin Bieber. Bit of a worry. And, because uh, he's sort of, I don't know where he comes from, but he's just, he's appeared from nowhere, Justin Bieber. And everybody's going, oh, Justin Bieber is fantastic. Which is really, which is really, uh, it's cool. I wonder who his fans are. I think his fans must be about 12 or 13 year old girls. Things like that. And uh, apparently uh, Keisha had to scrap some promo slots on Friday, rushed to Harley Street. A lot of people suffering with sore throats yesterday. And I'll tell you why it is, it's the weather got nothing to do with anything else apart from the weather you know when you've started going <coughs> like that it's really really difficult you have to just uh, you have to just put up with them afraid drink lots and lots of water jim shelley talking about britain's got talent and uh 
He, he says exactly the same. I wasn't spellbound by this year's Britain's Got Talent. He said, Chandy, the dancing dog, was lovely, basically no different from a dancing bear or a chimpanzee on a bicycle. I think I just said that. Isn't that? Uncanny, isn't it? And do you know what they... Honestly, what is it? I mentioned something on this programme, and strangely enough, it turns up on the television. Last week, we were talking about favourite films, favourite children's films. I think Channel 4 did a whole list of all your favourite films. Top of the list, family films, was E.T., which still never fails to make me cry, never fails to make me cry with the bicycles. Although, if you notice, they've, they've cut out the guns on the bicycle thit. In, in the original film, which I've got, when they're, they're cycling, they're cycling, and then it closes up on E.T., and he's thinking, ooh, phone home, take off, fly, fly. And all the soldiers and the police are standing there with guns. When they reissued the film and cleaned it up, they airbrushed out the guns, so the policemen are just standing there. It does look a bit, bit peculiar, but, uh, but it's very good. They did it because people became very funny about guns in films and they decided that it wasn't good to have it. So they've just got... And then he takes off and everybody cheers. But one of the films that was on the list, way down, was Pollyanna with Hayley Mills, which they showed yesterday. I turn on the television, there's Pollyanna. And I thought, we only talked about this the other week. Psychic Steve wins again. Quarter to six. These are the headlines. David Cameron is warning the cuts the government's got to make to help clear Britain's debt problem will affect our whole way of life. In a major speech later, he'll say the proposed cuts could be felt for decades. Twin baby girls were in a serious condition in hospital after being attacked by a fox at their home in East London. And BA cabin crew begin their 20th day of strike action today with no sign of a breakthrough in their bitter dispute with the airline. Details on those stories in 15 minutes. First of all, travel for you this morning and waiting patiently at the travel centre, it's Matt Jones. I am. Thank you, Steve. Uh, we'll go to the M25. Morning, everybody. Oh, cup of coffee is is uh, is. Oh, it's that time for the coffee. Woo, we love it. Uh, Christine Bleakley should stop moaning, says Bridget, and be grateful she has a job. Well, if I was the BBC, I mean, call me old-fashioned. Can you imagine if all of a sudden, uh, let's say, for example, I started saying, "Oh, well, uh, I've sacked my agent, and I'm looking forward to moving to Capital." Or I'm looking forward to moving to XFM. And I really want to do that because it's, it's worth more money to me and everything else. And my boss will be listening. He'll be going, well, go there then. Well, go there then. Go on, go. Because if, if I was employing Christine Bleakley at the moment, and I'm reading all these stories about she wants to go and she's negotiated with ITV, I'd have her off air so fast. I really would. I mean, sorry, so you're sitting here taking our money, but really you're getting ready to move to somewhere else. Pfft, I don't think so, love. Out straight away. Out straight away. Now we'll see where you're going. I would have thought that would have been clear breach of contract. Her contract doesn't run out till September. Just, just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But I'm sure that truth will out in the end. Uh, 84850, uh, CB says, once they publish the name of this pub, uh, this is the one where the assistant manager, if he'd known it was a gay group going in there, he wouldn't have uh, allowed them to book... He said, I think every gay in London should start going there regularly and turn his bar gay. It's <laughs> a thought, isn't there? <laughs> there is a sense of irony in it. You feel like going there. There used to be a, a, a very gay bar in Upper St Martin's Lane. It was very famous because it was an old Victorian pub called the Salisbury. And I think it had been gay for donkey's years, as long as people could remember. Every... But anyway, it had a new manager coming in and he decided he wanted to turn it heterosexual. So he deliberately went out of his way over years to uh, just be abusive and rude to every gay person who ever walked in there. And gradually, he turned it straight. And then gradually, straight people didn't start going there either, because it was, you know, you don't want to go... It's, it's lovely, it's a complete mirrored pub. 
the old Victorian-type place. It's really interesting. But uh, they had a concerted effort to get, uh, get people out. But, uh, but this, this particular pub, doesn't matter if it's gay or straight, shouldn't make any difference which bar you go to. You know, if, you know, people book to go out from it, they don't go, excuse me, are you a heterosexual family? I don't know, what do you reckon? I'll ask the kids. <laughs> Steve, now that Tom Jones has got white hair and a goatee, he looks like Colonel Sanders. He does a bit, doesn't he? He does a bit. I used to, I was never sure if, if Tom Jones used to wear a toupee. I used to look at his hair on the television. He's very good friends with Jimmy Tarbuck. They go back a long, 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 long way. Long, long way. And, um, and Jimmy Tarbuck has aged reasonably well. Whereas Tom Jones, I just used to... He used to go on the um, Live From Her Majesty's programme, the one that Tommy Cooper died on. And he, uh, he used to sweat within about two minutes. And I was never sure whether or not... You know, I used to think perhaps he's diabetic. <laughs> perhaps he's diabetic. Oh, dear. Oh, we'll have the horse racing a bit later on. Uh, will Sam be getting his Mars bar for today? Find out a little bit, uh, little bit later on. Uh, another one here. And this is... Oh, this is uh, Paul. The podcast, incidentally, is now there. For all those people who are worried about what happened to uh, the podcast, it's there, Noreen. Panic not. She says, were you at Barbie's? I went swimming like you, a gazelle in water. I think a gazelle with breeze blocks attached to its feet. That's me, I'm afraid. She said, no podcast for Sunday. I don't think, don't know why, but I overcame the situation. Good girl. It's there now, actually. It is, it is all there. And how many times do you go sick? Apparently, British workers, six and a half days off a year. I would think, do you know, I would think, probably if I had sick days a year, I would think six and a half days would be about right for me. You're never sick, are you? Never sick. God. Nothing worse than little, little Miss Perfect. I'm never sick, you know. No, don't do this. <laughs> don't whistle, don't snore, usual sort of thing. But uh, six and a half days a year we take off... And that's why some company... I've always maintained that if every person in a company was freelance and was paid on a daily basis, you'd have no sick leave at all because nobody would go sick. You, won't, you don't find presenters going sick. You really don't find presenters going sick that often. Reason being, don't work, don't get paid. So it encourages you not to go sick. But I, I reckon if, if it was for everybody, it would be quite interesting. Do you know, I think I've picked up an ear infection as well. I don't know how I've picked up an ear infection, but I'm going to have to go to my chemist goods today to find out whether or not there's something... I did go to the, I did go to the supermarket to look along the shelves to see whether I could find something that you drop in your ear for an ear infection. And somebody said, you might need antibiotics. And I thought, oh, why isn't the proprietary... There's a proprietary brand for everything. You know, if you've got verrucas, if you've got dry skin, dry cracked heels, you know, headaches, hair falling out, alopecia. You get something... Spots, you know, here's something you stick over your nose, which would take zits away. And you can get everything. You can't get anything to drop in your ears. And the reason being is that most people have problems with their ears, either ears or feet. Ears and feet... Because we stick cotton buds in our ears. And I've always been told, don't do it. But unfortunately, old habits die hard. And you have to put a cotton bud in. Well, people say you clean your ears by sort of, apparently, putting a piece of tissue paper. And, well, it's not the same. It doesn't work, you see. But cotton buds, the manufacturers will tell you of cotton buds, they're not meant for your ears. Don't ask me why. Because apparently, cotton buds break off. And a lot of people end up with them stuck in their ears. And they have to go and get them syringed out. See, if ever I got one stuck in my ear, I would get the hoover out and just put it up to my ear and just sort of suck the thing out. I mean, it would be a sight to behold, and we'll probably do a podcast on it later, I should imagine. But uh, it, I've got this infection. I don't know what it is. It's not an infection. It's just... It feels like a sort of spot or, sort of, or perhaps an insect bite. Because, you know, I'm totally convinced when you sleep, 
You get earwigs. That's why they're called earwigs. They crawl in your ear. They make, make a nest. Look at Helena Bonham Carter. I mean, what is she wearing? She's most peculiar. She's most peculiar. She's wearing one of those little hats on her head. I think she lives in La La Land. <laughs> She's most, most odd, I'm afraid. Uh, a campaign. Oh, we were talking earlier on about how filthy the streets are. There's a campaign to clean up England's dirty streets launched yesterday with councils being urged to spend more on litter clearing. It's not so much spending more on litter clearing, it's making sure that the people who are picking up the litter know what they're doing. You know, we have got a few in Twickenham, the, the Stand and, and, and Gaze Brigade. Some of them are very, very good, but there's a couple of them who just sort of stand there and every five minutes they're on a break. And you think, I don't know why, you know, they're constantly getting... Bra- I don't know what, what the council rules are. But they, they earn quite quite good money, I think, for actually just sweeping the streets. And now, sometimes, you don't even need to sweep because some of the councils have got these huge vacuum cleaners that they go around and they just sort of they wander along. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a bad job. It's not a bad job at all. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, Lisa says Pollyanna's been on a few times this year. Ooh. One of my favourite films. One of my favourite... I love it. I love it. God bless you, dear. Because it's got all these lovely actors that popped up and there's the woman who was in Bewitched who, who turned up in it. And she's sort of the, the, the Harridan. And then at the end, yeah, no, that's the, uh, she, she's the one who thinks she's dying all the time. And then she comes at the end, bless you, my dear, bless you. Why are you all standing around like a bunch of ninnies, she says at the end, when they bring Pollyanna downstairs. It's such a good little film. Although, if, if you check out Google, and I always do this, I look at kids on there and there's a kid called Corcoran. And he plays the little boy and he said, guess what, Pollyanna, I've been adopted. And she goes, wow, really? And it's such a good film because Walt apparently took great pride in, in Pollyanna to making sure that it was one of those wholesome. And it, it, the, the town where they lived became the glad town because it was... And you just think, I want to go live there. Do you think they ever had graffiti? No. Do you, everybody really loved each other? Yeah, a little bit like Norfolk. And it, sort of, it's just, it just looked a nice place to live. But then it's, it's, I, I would imagine that every five minutes there'd be an orchestra playing around the corner, which would make life a little bit... You know, every time you went, went to do something, the orchestra would, would kick in. You'd have accompanying music. You know, I've got to go out. It'd be lovely, wouldn't it? You could sort of cut to the side. Do you remember that, uh, that uh, little orphan, Ali Abbas, who came to this country? Uh, he lost both his arms when Allied missiles destroyed his home. Thirteen members of his family were killed. He's become a British citizen. And he loves it here because he said, I love fish and chips and a good Sunday roast, so I'm definitely a Brit. He's now uh, 19. He looks a bit older than 19, it has to be said. But, I mean, it, it, he's, had, he's had a difficult life. You know, when he came over here, he was, he was only young, but he passed the government's life in the UK citizenship test. So apparently the key to being a good Brit is fish and chips and a good Sunday roast. And that's it. So, well done to him. Penny Smith has revealed her secret to looking fresh during 17 years of Dawn Rises. No alcohol, coffee or late parties. Boring. Boring. I'm so sorry. I mean, I thought she was going to sort of be telling us, like, you know, I look this good because I've been out partying and I've done, you know, a bottle of vodka every three nights or something. But no, it's clean living, no alcohol, coffee or late parties. She says here that she had to get up at 4am... You want to come here, darling? That's a two-hour lie-in. Heavens above, I get up at 2am in the morning. Mind you, it, it does take me quite a bit longer to get ready. I mean, all she has to do is get up in the morning, go into the studio, and somebody will sit there and do her makeup 
while she's on the phone going, I think I'll have croissant and orange juice and a little bit of grapefruit. Thank you. Thank you, darling. Love you. Bye. 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 Put the phone down, you know. Whereas in here I come in, there's a coffee machine working, you know. And if it is working, whoopee, the coffee machine's working. You get quite excited. Oh, we have a cup of tea with, with bits in it. A little bit worrying, isn't it? But 17 years of clean living. Pfft. Don't want to hear that, do we? Who wants clean living? Uh, the idea is live every day as if it's your last. Uh, Paul says, you mentioned the pub and the manager who wouldn't have taken the booking. Sorry, but as a straight bloke who has a gay best mate, I was refused admission to his birthday party in a club on Canal Street because I was straight. It's a bit unusual for Canal Street. I thought the whole of Canal Street was straight. However, they shot themselves in the foot because all 60 of the party came out. thought they were out already. Uh, and we went somewhere else. They lost quite a few quid that night. As you've said, we've got so far and still got bigots on both sides. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, oh, the, the pub is here. Thank you, Fazal. He says, uh, there is the link of the pub. It's down in uh, Westminster. It's a well-known pub. It's a very, very well-known... But what a strange thing. What a very, very strange thing to do. OK, listen, we're going to take a short break. Back in a sec. Myself and uh, my husband... Morning, team. Welcome along to Monday. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Nice. I can't believe that we sit here at eight minutes past six and the sun's up. I mean, at four o'clock this morning, it was, it was, it was getting light. It's, it's nice, really, but uh, it's horrible, isn't it? Because I'm actually happier coming in in the dark. I know it seems odd, but I, I quite like coming... I have actually been in, in, the, uh, in the dark before and gone home in the dark. So I quite, I quite like the winter months. We were having a long discussion the other day, and when everybody's going, oh, isn't it great, all this sunshine, and I'm going, no, it's not, I don't like sunshine. I don't do sunshine at all. In fact, I'm the one who goes, I think I'll stay in today. And they go, come on, it's sunny, and I'm going, I don't think so. Because it just doesn't agree with me at all. And, and, and so I'm quite happy when it's, when it's cold. And I watched a programme the other day on the uh, people who live within the Arctic Circle, the Lapish people. I think they're called Innus. And, and I was watching their lifestyle and I was thinking, could you ever live in the, <laughs> these sub-temperatures where on a good day it gets to about minus 20? And I thought, no, I, I couldn't actually. I couldn't. Because it, it just looked too complicated. And when you look at what they have to eat, and they... No, no, no. When you look at what they have to eat, they went out and they, and they caught um, a raccoon or something like this, and they, they use every part of it. And I think if I went on a survival course, I'd be the one who'd die, because I couldn't kill anything. I was watching the great British food experiment on the television. I would be absolutely useless. I mean, I'd be the one sitting there going... Uh, is there a chip shop near here or something like that? And they had to, on this great British menu, which was for Prince Charles, uh, they all, the food looked lovely, but at one point they did rabbit. And so they, they go and it's all home sourced. So that they go to this, this guy and they go, um, right, we need a hundred rabbits. And he goes, right, I'll, I'll start getting, and they go out there and they, they shoot a hundred rabbits. And I'm thinking... Oh, dear. Poor old rabbits. They, they really get the rough end of the pineapple, they do. Because if, if they're not being shot by somebody who's there waiting for them with a night sight, in which case you don't see anything at all, you're being chased by stoats and weasels. And I've seen that happen. Because what the stoat does... I only discovered this on a, a wildlife programme the other day. The things you remember from the television. The stoat, in an effort to mesmerise the rabbit... The rabbits are sitting there knowing, really, I suppose, in their heart of hearts, that stoats 
are their enemy because they're very lithe, they're very fast, and they can wear out rabbits. So what the stoat does, it starts dancing in front of the rabbit. And the, and the rabbit sits there what, thinking it's television, I suppose. And, and the stoat's rolling on the ground, and it stands up, and then it falls over again, and then it hides, and it bobs. It was almost a bit comical. But then at the right moment, jumps in, grabs the rabbit by the back of the neck, and it's all over. And you think to yourself, rabbits would have... You know, if I saw a stoat, run! Run! Don't even hang around. I'd love to know this morning, in our, in our text question for you, what lies have you told to get the day off? Have you told lies to get the day off? I don't like taking a day off. I've really got to be quite ill to take a day off. But uh, as, as we generally take about six and a half days off a year... I don't think I'd take six and a half days off. I have known people, I think it was built in at one point to people's contracts, that you could have up to 21 days in the year off. And I think some people actually used to take 21 days off. They would see it as part of their extended holiday. And, and I remember thinking, wow, no, I quite like coming into work. What lies have you told to get the day off work? Have you ever been caught out? What lie have, have you told? You say, all oh, right, phone, hello? <clears throat> really not at all well this morning. I'll be in. I'll be in tomorrow. Okay. Then you put the phone down, and then you think. I hope they don't phone me later. I told you before. I had a boss who did phone me once at home. He got his secretary to phone and say, "How ill are you?" I went, "I'm really quite ill." Oh right. Are you in tomorrow? I don't know yet. I don't know. But there, there is that danger that you could get caught out. You go out and somebody sees you. They go, "Hey, I saw you yesterday." Go, no, you didn't. Yes, I did. I saw you. We, we were going to have it. No, you didn't see me. What lies have you told to get the day off work? Has it worked, or have you been caught out? 84850, do let us know. You could, I, I, can, I can protect your anonymity this morning, because everybody's done it. Everybody's done it at some point. Paul in Manchester said, after you mentioned Pollyanna and it got shown, and after seeing Mary Poppins for about the sixth time this year, can you mention the amazing Mr Blunden? You never know. See, that is one of my all-time favourite films. Mr Blunden, which one? Such a good film. Such a good... Maybe the same people who did The, uh, the Railway Children. Really, really good. And incidentally, they've, uh, they've started cordoning off Waterloo Station. The Eurostar terminal there, they're using for the live version of The Railway Children. With a train. With a train. So that's, uh, that, that's pretty good. Uh, Steve? You crack me up every morning until my neighbour bangs on the wall with a shoe because I'm laughing out loud. From LOL the cab. LOL the cab. <laughs> Going back into the Victorian era, aren't we? So, Steve, somebody had bought a mobile phone and left all the wrapping, the box and the bag on the pavement. Their invoice was there with the, ad- with the address. So I picked it all up and took it round their house. Gave them a shock when I handed it over to them. I hate... Uh, it just drives me mad. We're so messy. All it's, it's the other thing that used to drive me mad, and it still drives me mad now, is, is coming in and coffee cups all over the place. I mean, if we were like that in the studio here and there were coffee cups all over the place, we'd be knee-deep in the things at the end of each day because we seem to get through an extraordinary amount of tea and coffee and water. All it takes is about five seconds to pick up a cup and put it in the sink. Or in our case, a dishwasher. We've even got a dishwasher. You don't have to wash them up yourself. You just open a door and you turn it upside down and put it in the dishwasher. Some people have an inability to do that. And it's not just, you know, people on our foot. It's all over the place. People cannot clear up. And yet at home, you know, if it it was like... I mean, I actually come out and I've done the washing up. Admittedly, somebody looks in my kitchen window this morning, there is a cup in the sink. There is a cup in the sink. I do apologise now there's a cup in the sink. But I generally am am quite good at doing the washing up because I thought, you just don't do it. Whereas, I mean, I put things in the dishwasher. I have been known to come in and actually load the dishwasher. 
I remember, though, I was, I was quite bad about 10, 15, 20 years ago, and I had so many cups that I had to fill up the bath and put everything in there to wash it. Because it's very good. Just put on the hot tap, then let it all soak all day. I know, it's disgusting. It is awful, really. And then you go out, you come back into it, and then you do the washing up. Because when you live in bedsits, when you first moved into London, you know, they're, they're all... The configuration is, is just peculiar. So, sickies, what lies have you told to get the day off work? Have you phoned this morning? in anticipation of it going to be a nice day. Are you having a sickie today? Have you sent a text in? Because sometimes it's easier to send the text, isn't it? Go, really sorry, I can't, can't make it today. Because I don't feel very well. Hoping that they're not going to pick up the phone and go, well, we really need you today. Have you done that? Do let us know. Uh, I was on the train the other day, says Tanya. A man had been drinking a can of lager. He went to get off and left it on the table. A girl asked him to take it with him and he said, what do you expect me to do with it? He said there were no bins on the train and couldn't take it with him. He had the front to argue and left it. <coughs> See, if, if he actually said, what do you expect me to do with it, I'd have had a very quick answer, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, you can apparently... <coughs> excuse me. Get a liquid solution for your ears to break down the wax. It's not wax. I've got it. It's, it's, I think I've been bitten or something. It's nothing like that. I'm a, I'm a very clean boy, me. But I love cotton buds, I'm afraid. And headphones don't help. You're absolutely right there. Absolutely right. Quarter past six. <laughs> With the headline, Sam Pittis. Twin baby girls are in a serious... Point three. Whoopee! 18 minutes past six is the time. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. I can't believe, I can't believe I'm looking at the clock and I'm looking outside thinking, are you sure it's going to rain today? Very odd. So what lies have you told to get the day off? 84850. Have you told a fib today? Have you sent a text? Or have you got somebody else to phone up? I've had that before. I've, <laughs> I bumped into a friend of mine the other day. Thank you, Dan, incidentally. For the, uh, for the CD, I shall transfer it immediately. I'm still faffing around with my iPad at the moment because I've put all my photos on. I've got 213 photos. I don't know how to use it. I don't, I don't know. And uh, some things I know how to do, but I put all the photos on, but there are certain ones I want to delete because the quality's not very good. But I've got no idea what I'm doing. I mean, I, really, I have to ask Darren. I have to phone up Darren. It's the same on, on my computer. And I say, listen, I don't know what I'm doing. He said, all right. And I let him do remote access where all of a sudden it goes... Steve Allen has allowed Darren to take over his computer. And all of a sudden, and he can see my screen, which I think is terribly clever. Terribly clever. It's a service I think you should offer to everybody. And, uh, and he then sort of goes through and tidies it up and says, look, you do- what have you done here? I, thought, oh, I don't know. I've got no idea. I click on strange things all the time. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Andy says, you're going to sing us another song. No, I'm not going to sing another song. <laughs> oh, actually, I, the, the funny thing is, I mean, I am actually quite a good singer. I'm, I, I think I'm quite a good singer. I just hide it quite well under this gruff exterior. But I, I'm, I'm sure... I used to know somebody who used to do karaoke. And I always fancied doing karaoke. But I think what I'd need to do... I'd need to do it privately before I then had the courage to go and do it somewhere else. Because you don't want to. Because you really want to go, OK, I'll do karaoke. Because some people just go from pub to pub doing karaoke. And whilst I sing along... I mean, when I was singing at my friend Giles's wedding, uh, I wasn't singing solo. In fact, I was singing quite high. And uh, I know... But I, I was singing, I was, I was singing, you know, all the, I do all the hymns and everything else, because I know them. And I'm one of these lucky people. I'm a little bit like the people on Songs of Praise. You can tell that they, they go to church regularly, because they don't need to look at the hymn book to read the words, because they know the words. And I'm exactly the same. I know the words to all the hymns. Just sometimes they keep transferring the music and their different words come out. But I'm, I'm very, very good at doing it. I'm luckily in tune, which is more than you can say for most of the people, on uh, Britain's Got Talent. Steve, I called in. This is this is you being honest this morning. I mean, look on me as your as your father confessor figure. I called in saying had a burst pipe 
When I ba- went back into work, someone asked me about it. I replied, what burst pipe? You know what they always say? I'll only, t- I'll only tell you this once. If you're, if you're going to be a liar, you've got to have a good memory. Because people... I, I got caught out years ago. I can't tell you what it was. It was the most horrendous thing ever. It was the most... I never have done anything like it since, but I did something really so awful that it haunts me to this day. But my, my boss in those days came back to me years later. He said, he said, I knew that was you. I said, did you? He said, I could tell straight away. Because the trouble is, I'm not, I'm not very good at telling fibs. I'm, I'm, I'm not brilliant. Having said that, I think sometimes I'm very good indeed. But on this particular one, I wasn't... I wasn't and I got caught out. I'm not sure if I can tell you... No, I can't tell you what it is. Because it really is... No, I can't even tell you in the news, actually. It's dreadful. I might tell you in the, in the news. Uh, Steve, I phoned sick, went to London to see my boyfriend and bumped into my boss at Euston Station. I mean, isn't it times like that you want the whole world to open up and just sort of <laughs> swallow you in? Had a worrying weekend thinking he was going to be in a load of trouble, but he was thrown a sickie and went to watch cricket. You're really in big trouble now. Ian Wimbledon. An employee called in sick for a night shift, causing many problems finding cover. I went to the theatre that night and he was sitting three rows in front of me. Isn't that dreadful? The, tr- the, the, the problem with people doing sickies is that if you're in a small company uh, or there's not enough cover, somebody might have to do a double shift or somebody's got to cover for you. And I think, really, I mean, when I was ill the other week, I mean, I was very good. Christo covered for me for the hour whilst I pulled myself back together again. Uh, and I, I paid him that because I'm a good boy and because I think you know other people might have said oh, I'll take you out. in fact he said to me he said oh just take take me out for lunch and I thought I really don't want to suffer with you that long I'd, I'd, I'd have to spend a whole afternoon with somebody and it might end up costing me more so it was easier to give him the cash Steve I've been in work and wanted to leave early so I dabbed Olbersoil in the corner of one eye told the manager I got on an infection and had three days off Mary now retired oh dear Mary that's possibly the worst one Helen said, I once took a week off sick because a mad hairdresser cut my fringe too short. Now, that I can understand. I'm sorry because hair is a woman's crowning glory. Unless you're a page three glamour model, in which case it's somebody else's crowning glory that's stuck on your head. But when you go out to the hairdresser, how many times did you do it and they cut it and you go, oh, my God, you've ruined it. I've got to get a new... You go home... And you have to wash it and try and style it, because whatever they do in the hairdresser, they can always go round and do the back of it. I mean, you know, you're, you're probably the same as me. You get the turning brush and the hairdryer out, and you start blow-drying it, and then you can only do the front bit. So the back bit gets lost. Everybody needs to marry a hairdresser. As I said to Barbara Streisand once, you marry that John Peters, and you get your hair done every day. For Gloria Hunniford, it works a treat. Marry Stephen Way, you know, and you get your hair done every day. And so glamorous she does look. To me, he says, uh, Ray, the World Cup means suffering the unfunny and tedious James Corden. Oh, he was dreadfully boring the other day. Dreadfully tedious. I don't know why people find him funny, actually. I, d- I really don't find him... I'm sure somebody somewhere probably finds him very funny. It's like I was saying the other day that I'd, I'd watched Glee and I can't stand it. Luckily, we're in a free country. You're allowed to actually not enjoy a television programme, which is good. But uh, Graham says, whatever happened to the Indian actor Sabu? Went to America, didn't he? He made a lot of uh, films. You can Google him. And uh, I think he died some time ago. Because every time I turn on the television now and I'm watching programmes, I was watching Only Fools and Horses last night, and they had the original Grandad. All right, Del boy. <laughs> Thank Kelly. It was like he just walked in. And I remember thinking, these act- I love actors when they get to a certain age because they're just fantastic. Lynn says, just like yourself, I'm not good in extreme temperatures. Must be an age thing because as a child I was always out and about. Well, I grew up in hot countries. 
I grew up in hot countries. I was constant. I was like a little brown berry running around outside. You know, my little shirt off, you know, running up and down the hill and running down the hill and you know, jumping in the water and swimming and doing all this kind of stuff. And now I'm thinking, I couldn't even climb a tree. We talked about it yesterday on the programme. We were talking about 152 wild things to do out in the country to get the kids uh, out and about and get them enjoying nature. And in fact, if you podcast yesterday's programme, which is available to podcast, you'll hear all about it. And I did laugh, because at one thing, it, uh, at one point in the book, it said, you know, get out today and climb a tree. And I remember trying it a short while ago, and I, I kind of got as far as putting my arm round the branch, but I couldn't actually hoist my body up onto it. Whereas years ago, I'd be, I'd be like a monkey, and ding, swing round here and up onto this thing, and then hang down, hang down you by your tail, and then you hang down and, you, you know, your skirt falls over your head and you can't see anything, showing your blue serge knickers and all this kind of stuff. And you say, but now I can't do it. In fact, if I, if I could actually... In fact, the other day, I, I, I thought, I'll jump off a wall. I thought, don't make yourself look stupid, Stephen. you probably dislocate your back or something. Well, because you just you just sort of think, years ago, you would sort of jump onto a bench and then jump over the back. Well, I'd be so worried I'd trip over it and make myself look look a bit silly. Because I would. I know I would trip over it. Because most men, most men, in a recent survey on who was more uh, accident-prone, it's men. Men are more accident-prone than women. Although they never admit it. So there you go. Uh, Shirley says, uh, I was going to email you about 15 minutes ago. When I turned on my lovely Mac laptop, I'd lost the internet connection. I have, however, formed a technical miracle and got it working again. Uh, please don't equate Sophie. This is uh, Sophie Okinado, who we talked about a short while ago. Uh, with all those former East End stars, would-be presenters minus celebs. She's a highly respected actress with a very impressive CB, CV of TV and film working, including an Oscar nomination for Hotel Rwanda the numerous nominations and awards. She's recently played Mrs Mandela. I thought you'd been aware of her. No, I know the name. I just don't know what she's done. I mean, I'm generally quite good about, uh, about finding out about people, but on, on the, it kind of didn't, uh, didn't do it for me on that one. We knew she was famous. Certainly a lot more famous than Gail Porter, I'm afraid. Who, frankly, is a bore of the first. And Cara Toynton. I mean, really. You know, people who aren't, you know, in the business. I mean, I don't know what Gail Porter does, to be honest, apart from turning up on the television. Uh, more on the uh, the murder of Derek Bird, described by the uh, vicar yesterday as being a nice man. I think because the family were there. I mean, it's the, it's the family you feel sorry for. They had a memorial service in Seascale, lashed by the wind and the rain. But uh, hundreds of people turned out. Uh, police who failed to stop his rampage had previously been singled out for official criticism over their inability to deal with major incidents. It's... You just don't know, do you? You just do not know. There's a woman in the paper... And all sorts of people are going to come forward now and sell their stories and say, oh, this and that, because you can't prove anything. They've, they, they've actually got a woman here who, who claims that uh, he used to visit her. She's, she's a prostitute and claims that he used to visit regularly and said that he'd, he'd get a gun and kill them all. Why didn't you go to the police then? You know, surely if somebody says that to you, or, or, is, or is it not true? Uh, Ed Balls had admitted, has admitted now that we've messed up on immigration. More on uh, Christine Bleakley. And uh, now that she's split with her long-term agent, foolish mistake, sparking rumours she's being lined up to front GMTV with Adrian Childs. Oh, bad enough with one bore on the sofa. We don't need two, thank you very much indeed. The, the one thing is, listen, I've said to you before... You, you could have got a trained chimpanzee to present the one show and it would have got an audience. It's as simple as that. The reason that GMTV's audiences slid is because they've taken their eye off the ball and they haven't, they haven't kept up with things. They've kept exactly the same 
thing. And if you're watching somebody on the television all the time, eventually you do get bored, I'm afraid. It's not like radio, where you can change, you know, on a, on a, on a sixpence. On television, you can't. And I'm afraid we've seen Adrian Childs and Christine Bleakley together on the one show. Frankly, I don't want to see them first thing in the morning. Well, in fact, I wouldn't be, because I'm far too busy here. But, I mean, you know, a dull thing. And uh, there's no £6 million deal. They haven't got that much money. They haven't got that much money. And also, women, traditionally, if they're playing second fiddle, and she would be second fiddle if ever she turned up there, and I don't think she will, uh, would be getting less than a third of that. They're not going to cough up 12 million a year for him and her, are they? They haven't got that sort of money. Ask anybody who works for ITV, where they've just had huge redundancies. You think they're going to cough up for Christine Bleakley on her CV? I water skied, I went, hi you, and I did the one show, and that was it. That is the extent of her television presenting. I'm sorry, Christine. It's not good enough. LBC 97. 26 minutes to 7. Nick Ferrari's back this morning. Can't wait to see what colour he is. I really can't. I know what colour Sam Pittis is. Lovely picture of you with a straw in your mouth. Very interesting. What? Down on farm. Anyway, uh, right. Oh, sorry, there you are, Sam. I do beg your pardon. I was rambling, I'm afraid. I noticed. Uh, it was a short week. You had a winner. Paid 89p. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex on Friday, uh, you had Aviate, incidentally. I did, yes. Aviate was seventh. Got his wings clipped, it seems. Yeah, you lost two pounds, so £49.55. Alex had uh, Tartan Gika. Of course he did. One at six to one, profit £12. What? Yeah, I know, I thought you'd be thrilled. Total profit, £18.55. pence. If you are, I think we need to send him a case of Mars bars. I was going to say, the problem is my deficit's so bad, even if you add his profit to mine, I'm still in the red. Yes, you are, I know. You've, 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 I mean, it's a profit of £12, I mean, that was really, really good. This was the Oaks at Epsom, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yeah, yes. On Friday. Actually, strange enough, we, we were trying to work out on uh, on Saturday in, in 20... I went, Do you know, all of a sudden it's gone quite quiet. And somebody said, why's it gone quiet? I said, it's the Derby. Of course it is, Epsom. It's the Derby. Did he, um... What happened with this horse from, uh, from the Derby? Because I didn't pick one for the Derby. I don't know, actually. I haven't got that down here. Good. I was hoping... I don't want him adding that on as well. No, 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 no. Heavens above, no, no. We wouldn't have that kind of uh, skullduggery taking place. Cheating is the word. Cheating. <laughs> no, don't worry. Don't Good. worry. But let's see how, how you fare this week. He's off to Pontefract today. The 7.45, Ginger Ted. Ginger win Ted. only. Ooh, Ginger Ted. I like Ginger Ted. That's we like one. Ginger Ted, yeah. Well, Pontefract is uh, one of the meetings, along with Folkestone, Newton Abbott and Windsor. That's four race meetings. Uh, the 3.30 Novice Hurdle is ours at Newton Abbott. And Red Twist. Red Twist. Yep, 3.30 Newton Abbott, Red Twist. Yeah, I like the sound of that. I do too. It sounds like it, it could have winner written on it. Yes, uh, but then so do all my horses every day. Yes, and no, they don't. They no, never do. No, they really don't. Take my word for it. I don't know. I think I think we got uh, we got Tom picking them this morning. Right. Yeah, because Phil's obviously uh, in Tom, South Africa. Tom who? Tom Renee's picking them. Uh, oh right. This morning. Oh, Tom so, Renee. Uh, yes. Oh, so uh, Tom Renee. It's a it's a it's a big one today. Right. It's, a, it's the first the first one for him. I think he's he's bringing some fresh eyes to the proceedings. Well, we, <laughs> yes. Well, we certainly need that. I think exactly that, exactly. Yeah. The, the Phils have let us down too many times, so it's, it's yes. all about Tom this morning. Well, he's clinging on at the moment, isn't he, in South Africa, Phil? Yes. Bless his heart. Well, uh, we'll hear from him shortly uh, yes. later on. OK, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Yes, mate, all right. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Steve. Bye-bye. Yes, mate. Yes, mate. Where's that come from? All right, mate. A bit like doing Mary Poppins, isn't it? I don't know. Anyway, we'll find out uh, tomorrow. So what lies have you told in the light of the report in the paper today that we all take... I don't. About six and a half sicky days off a year. I've built very well. I can't, can't come in. I've lost my voice. It doesn't make any difference. You're making step ladders. You know, you don't have to speak to anybody. Just come in. And people do take days off for the, the oddest thing now. You know, 
the cat's just been run over or something like that. I always remember, we were always told years ago, that you can have time off for a funeral, provided it's immediate family. Provided it's immediate... If it's not immediate family, you, in theory, shouldn't get, um, get time off. Because I remember once... Well, no, I can't tell you that story out. I can, actually, yes. I can tell you. Because uh, when... Uh, years ago now, when my mother died, and she died in the morning... I'd spoken to my brother in the morning... And uh, and I'd said, you know, she, it's 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 not long. And during the conversation, he'd actually said she's 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 gone now. And so I said, right, I'll come down. And I said to my boss, I need to go down. And he said, but you're due on air in an hour. I went, well, it's kind of tough, isn't it? Really, I'm terribly sorry, but that's what I'm doing. And he went, oh, very inconvenient. I remember thinking, good God, is there any such thing as caring anymore? Uh, so we're listening to your excuses. To get the day off, the lies that you have told. We, we've we've promised you anonymity. We've, well, <laughs> as far as we can be anonymous with this kind of thing. Whilst training to be a nurse, says Jen, many years ago, I phoned in sick with the usual excuse, you know, vomiting and the other stuff. I then fell down the stairs and broke my leg. All the matron kept asking me was, "How's the uh, the D and V nurse?" And that's the worst thing, isn't it? When you only do something, and you think, "All oh, right, I'm going to be fine here." And then all of a sudden something else goes wrong and you get caught out, which is absolutely terrible. Uh, Chris says, having had an electric shock at work, I was taken to hospital. 24 hours later, I was discharged. I phoned them to say I was out and they asked if I was coming in the same morning. But people do expect you to go in, don't they? You say, I'll hobble in. Don't worry. I'm fine. I'm fine. I can be in there. Steve, my friend told work her mum died and she took two weeks off for a cruise. Years later, uh, she got... And thinking her mum to a work... Oh, she got to take her mum to a works too. They're all going, excuse me, didn't your mother die some years ago? We had that here. Years and years and years and years, and years ago. Somebody who actually said, oh, you know, um, my father died this week and I couldn't come into work. And then, strange enough, the following week, their father phoned. And somebody picked up the phone and went, wait a minute, um, are you all right? Were you not killed in a car accident? And they went, no, I'm fine. And we all went, oh, he's told the worst fib ever. I mean, the one thing you don't ever fib about, I'm afraid, is, is people dying. But this particular person here had claimed that his father had been killed in a road accident, and it wasn't true. I think he was going through what's called it just an, an emotional time. Uh, Steve, it was as the year drew to an end, when I was a civil servant years ago, a commonly heard expression, oh, I haven't taken my sick leave yet, said Roberta. Well, that's, you're quite right. We did become a nation of, uh, of people just taking sickies. And because it was built in to, I think, people's contracts, twenty what you could have up to 21 sick days a year. I think it probably still exists to a certain extent. And people looked on it as their holiday. I used to have a producer many, 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 many years ago who I always knew if he was off for a long weekend because on the Thursday he'd start making noises like, <clears throat> I don't feel very well. And he'd do this on the... Th- he, he was planning a big weekend, and you would know that... But So he all the way d- during the programme on the Thursday, be going, <clears throat> really don't feel very well, Steve, really don't feel very well. And then on the Thursday, so on the Friday morning, we'd come in and he wasn't there. So he'd be off the, the Friday, the Saturday, the Sunday, and then he'd take the Monday and come back in on the Tuesday. So it gave him that extra long weekend. That was quite normal, the people working out the sick leave. So, so Roberto, I'm not at all surprised that as a civil servant, people go, oh, I've still got 21 sick days to take. Well, they've got to take them next week. Ray in Barkingside said, no singing. Well, there's always the banjo. And Jane says, she's from Essex, have a spray tan. I can't. I cannot. I, I re- with the best will in the world, there is, 
no way standing with paper pants on while somebody goes, it's just, I just cannot do it. She said, it works wonders as you look so well, and even though you don't like the sun, everybody tells you how wonderful you look. Jane, they haven't told me how wonderful I look for about the past 32 years. Nobody's ever said, oh, you look well this morning. All they do is they go, oh, you're not well. You go, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> Maxine says, accident prone, don't talk to me. I've been away for a week. In that time, he's blown up the lawnmower, dropped a very expensive steam iron and smashed two pots in the garden. Can't wait to go away again. This proving that men are more accident-prone than the ladies. Although my mother was the worst driver under the sun. I could never go drive my mother. It, used to make, it, it was like a scene from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. We could be going down the motorway, and my mother was steadfast in the fact that she wasn't moving from this lane. And she had a little blue Mini Mayfair. And these things, with the best will in the world, even with the wind behind and the hamsters working overtime on the wheels, never got above 60 miles an hour. So coaches are passing us. I'm sort of there with a blanket over my head, looking like some prisoner about to be sort of taken into the old bailey, thinking, oh, God, mother, why do we have a good motorway? And at one point, we got this lorry that came up behind us, and he started hooting. My mother, being totally oblivious to this, did, and I'm watching, thinking, oh, my God, we're going to be eaten by a lorry. It was terrible. It really was. And, and I'm convinced that they then showed a programme on the television. And I'm convinced it was my mother driving because the car looked identical to her. And it was supposed to be coming out. And I think she was going down to see my brother in Southampton. I remember looking, thinking, I'm sure that's my mum's mini. I'm sure it's my mum. That's also, that's reminded me, never ever sell a car to a friend. You know why? It'll go wrong. My mother had trouble-free motoring. Mind you, she only did about three miles a year. Never, ever had any trouble with this mini. Gave it to me. I sold it to my producer. From day two, it started going wrong. It was absolutely awful. She phoned my, my producer, phoned me up and went, "Steve, so and so's happened." I went, "No, it can't have done." I mean, my mother's had this car for the past three years, and it's been it was bought from brand new. It was perfect, and the moment it was sold to somebody else, started going wrong. I bought a car from a friend of mine. Started going wrong. Never ever sell a car to. If you do, sell it via a third party. It's, it's, sell it to Sarah, Duchess of York. She's having a run of bad luck. She might as well have the rest of it. But she's old. Incidentally, just in case you were worrying about Sarah, she's on holiday. She's gone on holiday and she's gone to Soto Grande, which is lovely, where all the uh, villas are multi-million pound villas. It's not bad for a woman who only three, a few days ago sat there telling uh, Oprah Winfrey how broke she was, about three or four million pounds, yet can afford to go on a luxury holiday. To That's the trouble. Somebody needs to sit down with her and slap her legs and say, listen, you don't have any money for doing this. Do you not realise you're living beyond your means? We were having a chat, Amanda and I, about sometimes you sit in at home. People say, you're coming out this weekend. You go, no, no, I'm staying in this weekend. I'm just sort of, you know, resting my liver or doing something like that because you want to sort of save some money because, you know, if you go out, it's going to cost you a bit of money. But if you stay in, you can save that money. You've got to learn to cut your clock because if, if you go overdrawn, the bank are going to write to you. Why have they not written to Sarah Ferguson? Is it because the children keep bailing her out? Because she's not learning. You know, she's had companies that have gone under. And now she's on in a multi-million pound villa. I've seen the villas in Sotto Grande. Because they come up regularly for sale. And they start at about 6.5 million euros. They're OK, but they're on a golf... They sell it on a golf course. And it's kind of, you know, that doesn't interest me in the slightest. But they're very, very expensive. I'm thinking, but if you're broke, shouldn't you be sort of... Shouldn't you doing a camping holiday in Prestatin or something? You know, going to a multi-million pound villa is not helping at all. Steve, can ITV replace that uh, Willow Booby girl on this morning? Penny Smith would be great. Um, 
I, 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 I quite like Holly Willoughby. You know, I mean, it is, there is a lot of work that goes into her, you know, with the hair and it not, not moving. Penny Smith would be a bit more like Fern, I think. But I think they, they like Holly Willoughby. I think Philip Schofield just likes people that, uh, that, uh, that make her laugh. Make him laugh. Make him laugh. I'm sorry. Make her laugh. Quarter to seven is the time. With the headlines, Sam Pittis. Twin baby girls are in a... Twelve minutes to seven. We're talking about excuses for people not coming into work. I can't do it. I'm out of the country. Hello? No, the line's going. I'm not... No. Uh, so, Oh, it's gone completely. Click. <laughs> Many years ago, says Richard, when I started... Out as an in-house photographer, I used to work with a chap who was a bit of a Walter Mitty character. On one particular occasion, he called in to say he wouldn't be in as his father had just died and needed to sort out his affairs. Anyway, this chap's brother was one of our film suppliers, and that afternoon he arrived as usual with our regular order. The senior photographer said to him, Sorry to hear about your dad. He thought for a moment and said, "Uh, That's my dad sitting over there. Oops. People do that. It's amazing how many people use family, don't they? Can't come in, you know. Grandmother's just been run over. You know, milk float. That kind of stuff. Claudia says one girl called in saying she was sick. Later that day, the line manager called her home and her mother said she was at work. She was sacked. It always catches up, does it? If you're going to be a fibber, you've got to be very, very, uh, very, very good memory, I think. Brian says, when I was late for work one morning, I said I dreamt I overslept last night and when I woke up, I had. It's my worst nightmare is oversleeping. That is my wor- I don't think it gets any worse than oversleeping. <laughs> uh, although here it's not too bad, I just say to... Uh, we'd we phone up Anthony, I'd go, Anthony... I'm going to be late. Can you stay on for a little bit? Love it. Chrissy says, used to work in a, in a shoe shop in Oxford Street. Called in sick one day later on that day. My mate called me and said, would you come out to Oxford Street with me? I said, no, as I work in the area. She begged me to go. I went and we spent the afternoon going round the shops. We had such a good day. I crossed the road and I was shouting across to my mate, bumped right into my boss, literally. <gasps> Very embarrassed. You see, told you, catches you out in the end. And all of a sudden, people go, wait a minute, I saw you the other day. No, no, I was sick. No, I saw you. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. And that you get caught out. And the worst thing is, telling people at work, listen, don't say anything. Don't, don't say anything. But uh, I'm actually doing a, doing a sickie. <laughs> uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Hating hot weather is not just an age thing. I grew up in Ottawa and always loathed the hot, humid summers. Couldn't wait for winter. And my mum grew up in Sydney. And she hated the hot weather, Steve. Not sure she ever truly appreciated the lovely cold Canadian winters, however. Well, I grew up in hot climates. And I just, I'm just not good with, with sunshine, I'm afraid. It just makes me feel quite ill. I get quite... Uh, not not lethargic. Well, I probably get a little bit lethargic. I just get a bit short-tempered, actually. A friend of mine, Steve, says Tom, was on evening shift, called in sick, went to the Toronto Maple Leaf hockey game. Boss saw him on telly, suspended for a week. You see, you do get caught out, don't you? That is the danger, because... You, you take the day off specifically because you want to go out and do something, but then you think, say they phone, what excuse can you give? I was so ill, I was, I was in bed, I couldn't... I heard the phone ringing. Oh, right. What time did it ring? I can't remember. And that's when you get caught out. Paul says, Sabu was mentioned, he died of a heart attack at the early age of 39 in 1963. On the subject of Disney films, how about the great Burl Ives, when he sang the Ugly Bug Ball? I've got that, I've got that on a, a Disney CD, which I put down. And uh, absolutely loved it. Uh, Steve, in my 21 years with the old customs and excise, I never once encountered an attitude that sickly was an entitlement when you were not sick. I think a lot of comment is simply anti-civil service. Well, it's, it, the trouble is, people do have 21 days sick leave a year. It's not just 
not just running through the civil service. It's here. It's every, it's every company you get this, these, uh, these 21 days. Steve, what are you going on about? Sarah Ferguson's life is one long holiday. I know. I don't think she actually knows what a proper day's work is. Proper day for her is getting on an aeroplane, getting off the other end, accepting an award, and then going on Oprah. I think she's still behaving as if she's some sort of, of celebrity. And I don't think she is anymore. If she is, she's a celebrity with, uh, with very bad timing and certainly not much sense of, uh, of money. Uh, talking of money, he's going to be raking it in shortly because Lord Mandelson, Mandy Mandelson, is uh, set to have his memoirs published. Well, I don't know who would be buying it. Because I remember the last time, uh, one of these, th- there are lots of these political books that come out. They all do them. It's called Vanity Publishing. It's not the same as the real vanity publishing. They bring them out and they do the circuit, but there's never been any evidence to suggest, and I've checked with all the publishers, as to whether or not having somebody in to talk about their autobiography actually shifts copies of their autobiography. Because I've seen no end of very famous people's autobiographies in Poundland. Uh, I remember Tony Blair's uh, wife brought out a book and she was on Richard and Judy and she turned up everywhere and the book didn't sell at all. Because you just think after a while, it's very expensive. Who would buy it? And you can now get books quite cheaply. So a lot of the, the little booksellers can't survive by just selling these things. I don't know who would buy Lord Mandelson's memoirs. A few people wanting to know the answers to a few questions. Whether or not he would give you the answers remains to be seen. But he's also going to go on the, the circuit for after-dinner speaking, where they say he can collect up to about £10,000 a time. Well, I have to tell you, £10,000 fee on the after-dinner circuit is very low down the list. Because normally, top people on the after-dinner circuit, £25,000 a time. I know this because I uh, worked for an agency once and they had all the top people on there. And you'd be surprised, people you've never heard of can command £25,000 a time. But uh, I, th- I think really to say 10000 means that he's going to be a little bit limited. Just a little bit limited. Don't forget, Nick Ferrari's back with you after news at uh, 7 this morning. I'm just going to have a, a quick uh, look. Don't forget, the, uh, the podcast is up. So you can uh, you can have a check on that a little bit uh, later on. If you if you missed yesterday's program, we were a little bit cruel about uh, about certain programs on the television. I think most of it justified. In fact, I would absolutely guarantee that it was it was all uh, justified, especially when it came to uh, looking at uh, at Britain's Got Talent. Eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc.co.uk. I was trying to find out what Nick's doing on his uh, on his program today, and so I'm. I'm Checking through quickly on my emails just to find out what he's doing after the news. That's, oh, there it is. I found it there. I knew it was something I didn't print off. They're talking about uh, this morning. With, with the paper is, is Emma Barnett, the technology and digital media correspondent for The Telegraph. Uh, Cumbria, 24-hour news media, a help or a hindrance. Uh, sometimes I think uh, a hindrance. Although Brian Cathcart would say we have an inbuilt desire to know news as quickly as possible. And um, Phil Blacker will be doing his uh, World Cup Report plus the Blackwall Tunnel closure creating the weekend traffic chaos. We've had dreadful traffic over the weekend. What they're doing to Piccadilly Circus is just ridiculous. Should the Gaza blockade be lifted? We're talking to Emily Thornbury, the Labour MP for Islington, South and Finsbury, and Lorna Fitzsimmons, Chief Executive of uh, BICOMS, will be saying no only if Hamas renounce violence. Plus, uh, William and Harry interview, and they'll be talking to. Uh, Katie Nicholl, who's the Royal Correspondent for the Mail on Sunday. And why are so many over-60s getting divorced? I didn't know they were, actually, but apparently they are. We'll be talking to Sue Plumtree. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari after the news at 7 o'clock this morning. Uh, Stan says, 
uh, no, it wasn't San, it was uh, Gronia, and says, I like pasty men. You're right not to get a tan. Well, years ago, tans were, were for the uh, working classes. You could always tell somebody who worked outside because they had the tan. Most people, especially in high society in London, years and years and years and years ago, uh, used to paint their faces. The, the paler you looked, the more advantageous it was. The trouble is, they used to paint their faces with lead. And the lead used to eat into their skin. And so most of high society had the most dreadful skin. This is going back a little bit, uh, little bit before my time. And Sandra wants to know, why can't people ring in themselves when they're sick instead of getting the other half or a member of the family to do it? Sure sign of guilt. Oh, I think you can, always t- you can always tell if somebody's swinging the lead, can't you? Can you not? I always can. <laughs> Nine out of ten times. Uh, right, that's just about it for this morning. Oh, well done to uh, Simon Cowell. He went to, he, t- he took his date to BAFTA, incidentally, which was his ex. His ex from a long time ago. So I think that says, uh, that says a lot. But well done to him. Also to Anton Deck, who got their first BAFTA. But as I say, there was an, there was an odd collection of people who, who turned up. Good luck in the horse racing. If you go to the LBC website, you can learn all about podcasting. And it's lbc.co.uk. You can also check out the uh, pictures of all our contributors on the programme. Hopefully Alan Dodgen will be back with us tomorrow. It looks at the mo- Don't be fooled by the weather. They keep telling me it's going to rain. But I'm looking out the window thinking perhaps it might be a nice day. Not too hot. About 17 degrees later on today. But the forecast for later on is rain. So if you're going out, my advice, take a little brolly with you. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 5 on uh, 97.3. Hope you have yourself a very nice day. Join Nick, who will be suitably refreshed after his holiday. Seems ages, doesn't it? Absolutely ages, but he's back with you after the news at 7 o'clock here on LBC 97.3. Before all of that, here's this morning's business update with Sam Pittis. The FTSE will open after closing down 18